Welcome everybody to the Huge Pop Wrestling Podcast. That's this Huge Pop here. My boy to the right is Mr. Matt, and I made WT. On the bottom of all, the the guest of the day is Chad Lale. I hope I got that right. He's a wrestler. He's a bodybuilder. He's even dabbed in some acting. Well known as Jackson Riker on WWE. TNA is Gunner and Shatter. Man, I welcome to the show. Mr. Chad Gunner Lale, how you doing today? I'm doing great, man. It's, it's, hey, thanks for the clap. It's uh, it's pretty impressive all the names you got. You got them remembered there, so, and you did get my name right. So uh, I'm doing well, man. Yes, appreciate it. Yeah. Yes, yes, Matt, you want to lead off? Um, all of my questions are going to be centered around your uh, how I found out about you and that TNA. Um, my actually. Actually, no. My first thing I, is thank you for your service. By the way, I, I appreciate you. you and all of, and everyone who's came before you and everyone that that precedes you. Um, just thank you for your service. Thank you very much. It means a lot, man. Thank you. Um, my biggest my my first question was: you made your debut in on TNA. Um. Why'd you pick a fight with my boy, Ken Anderson? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, um, I guess I had a bone to pick with Ken Anderson from uh, 2007 of December, if anybody ever remembers that, where he brought me out, uh, made up as Razor Ramon on a spoof that he did against Shawn Michaels. Yes, (laughs) yes, yes. So, yeah, I've never been asked that question, but that's my answer. (laughs) So, he he got me super kicked by Shawn Michaels in 07. So, I was like, you know what? We got, I got a little payback, but in all honesty, um, Ken and I traveled a lot together. You know, we can go behind the curtain of pro wrestling and, you know, everybody knows it's a little different now, but uh, just, uh, I I still highly respect him, man. He's one of those guys that helped me. And when I got a chance to work with him in TNA, we had a lot of fun because he's just one of those guys that loved, you know, loves the business, love what he did. And uh, just one of those, man, like, once again, when I was in the Marine Corps stuff, I was watching him on Raw and SmackDown. And then I'm getting a chance to step into the ring with Ken, who just has a great mind when it comes to professional wrestling. I'm going to roll back to my brother. I, thank you so much for your service. Um, I appreciate that. Uh, what, it, while in the service and you came out of the service, how did that prepare you for your your wrestling career? What, yeah, how did that prepare you? That's a good question, Scott, man. I get asked that quite often, really. And what it was, it was, you know, I had a parents that instilled in me, you can do anything you set your mind to. You just got to work for it. You're going to have rocky roads. You're going to have ups and downs, but you just got to set your mind and focus to what you want. So as a five-year-old boy, I knew instantly I wanted to be a pro wrestler. Now, 9-11 happened. Um, there's a, a, a long line of history in my family of law enforcement and military. And I said, well, I'm going to go serve my country. Um, so what the Marine Corps did for me, I always say, is it took me out of my hometown of Hickory, North Carolina, that was a small bubble, uh, a furniture town, or you worked at a grocery store, or you're a mechanic or whatever, and it showed me the whole world. But it also pushed me beyond my limits, like in 13 weeks of boot camp at Paris Island, anybody who's a Marine uh, or you know in the, in the service at all has gone through boot camp and knows that it's not just some walk in the park that they, they break you, they push you past your limit. And so what it did for me was prepare me for my professional wrestling career in the aspect of my mind, 
where people were saying, um, you know, you can't do this or, you know, you're not good enough or whatever. It, it caused me to realize, no, no, I've made it through Marine Corps boot camp. I was an honor graduate. I went through Iraqi war in 2005. So there's nothing that I can't do. And it just prepared me mentally, I think, for, <laughs> for um, uh, the head games. Because in the Marine Corps, you get a lot of head games. Uh, and then obviously in the entertainment business, it's just back and forth, but man, it just really give me a work ethic that I don't think I could have gained anywhere else in the world. Thank you, man. Thank you. Matt. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, again, all my stuff's going to be more thrown back to the TNA. Uh, I consider the era that you were there as the greatest TNA era like there ever was and probably mm. ever will be, in my opinion. Uh, you had uh, Samoa Joe, uh, the guy that you tagged with a lot, one of my personal favorites, James Storm. Sure. Um, what was it like working with a lot of amazing talent and just being around that? Being around that, any crazy stories? Like, what was it like being there? No, I mean, man, you're right. And and I've had a conversation um, a, a few days back with my, my co-host on my podcast, Wrestling for the Faith, Casey Cage. And we talked about just uh, the opportunity of and the caliber of guys I've worked with. You know, you're right. I went through a phase in TNA there where it was hot. I mean, there was top-line talent coming in, um, storylines that were great. Um, I've been blessed because I've, I've worked that, that era of TNA that, as you know, fans like yourself and then guys like me say is some of the greatest times. And then I got a chance to be a part of the black and gold brand of NXT that you just blew up arenas, yeah. man. Mm -hmm. And so I've, it's like, man, I've been a part of history on both ends here. But for me, working with like James, Hogan, you know, guys I grew up watching, uh, not James, James and I are close to the same age, but um, just getting an opportunity to step in the ring with you know, AJ Styles, Sting, I mean, all these guys. And the caliber of guys you just named, Samoa and Joe. So for like me, some you know great memories. I think it's just the opportunity to uh, main event Manchester uh, Arena there in Manchester, England. You know, 2014 against Nick Magnus uh, or Magnus Nick Altus. Altus is what we call him now. But just getting a chance to um, man, just getting a chance to uh, work some of those guys that you see now that are whether they're in WWE main event in WrestleMania. Um, it's just been a great privilege and a great honor for my career. Awesome. I got to go back to my introduction. Um, I got to give you credit. You were TNA television champion one time, Beast of Fire 2013 heavyweight champion contract. You were part of the TNA World Cup with Bully Ray, Eddie Edwards, Eric Young, ODB. You, man, you accomplished a lot in TNA, so I just want to give you credit for all that. Um, but I'm going to touch on something that – um. Uh, Hollywood Hulk Hogan. I've heard that he was one of your favorite wrestlers growing up. Uh, he is my favorite wrestler. Uh, you and I might uh, debate this. I believe he brought back wrestling to life when he came down in Daytona Beach and dropped his leg over on Macho Man and started the NWO. What are your what's your um, takes on Hulk on Hulk Hogan early life NWO? Um, do you have any uh, Hulk Hogan collectibles, uh, all that stuff? So, I mean, obviously you're right at five years old, and my mom tells this story quite often of 
she has people ask her, like, why did your son go into professional wrestling of all things? And she said, well, when he was five years old, he's watching Hulk Hogan and he's tugging on my shirt saying, mommy, I'm going to do that one day. Um, so, you know, that's a fond memory of me growing up as a kid, the Hulk Hogan wrestling dummy. And then I, man, listen, when that happened in 1990, was that 96, July of 96, yes. Daytona Beach? So I've wrestled in that arena too, by the way, which was super cool for me. And um, man, when Hogan did that as a boy, I was mad. I was livid, you know, but looking back, I ended up becoming a fan of NWO, but and looking at it now, and you're right, man. Like, I don't think anybody else could have, that was a gamble, I think, on his career. And he talks about it, I believe, in his book and on different podcasts that, you know, he took a gamble because everybody was like, Hogan, you can't do this, man. You're going you're gonna to kill your career. But it ended up being just something that catapulted WCW, NWO into the Monday Night Wars. Um, dude, you're right. I mean, it was something that I think really put a new life into professional wrestling. And then, so for me, collectibles, yeah. I have a um, – a my really only collectible I have left. I give a bunch of my old action figures away to some some buddies' kids, but um, I have a Hogan. It's a nineteen eighty, I think eighty seven uh, poster where he had the old WWF title, so the, the Winged Eagle. Okay. And, uh, I just yeah, it's one that I'll never let go. I had a good friend years ago give it to me. I think it's 1987. Um, so for that, you know, that's one of my, my fond collectibles that kind of stays in my collection. Matt? Um, wow. I, um, so talking about you were able to be at wrestle in that same arena that Hogan made his turn. Mm-hmm. What it, You've been – all over the world wrestling. What is your absolute favorite place? Like, and the most memorable place you've been? Oh man, that's a, there's a lot of rememberable places. Manchester arena. I think I mentioned earlier a few moments ago, that was one of my fond memories just because of the, the the crowd was uh, electric. And we, me and Nick went into that match wondering because Nick's kind of from that area. How's the crowd going to react to this? Gunner's the good guy and Nick's the bad guy. Are they going to completely swap and turn on Gunner? But, dude, when we walked through that curtain, it was it was everything we needed. We had him in the palm of our hands. Um, some other memories for me were um, wrestling in the uh, – oh, man, what's the arena name? It's slipping my mind. The one in Chicago where WrestleMania 13 took place. Um, oh, yeah. The, uh, Rosemont Horizon? Rosemont Horizon. It's like, it's like some other name now, though. But um, – the so being able to wrestle there and realize, man, there's been some great WrestleMania and matches went on here, um, stuff like that. So obviously, I got a chance to wrestle in Mexico a few times with TNA, where they would send myself, um, Elijah Burke, AJ Abyss. All of us would go over there and do a little two, three day tour. And as first time I went, I remember just like culture shock. We're riding in a bus, you know, on these little windy back mountain roads. We get to like a bull arena. Everything's dirty and dusty. We sit in the uh, tent locker room for, man, I'm not exaggerating, 12 hours before the show starts. Wow. And nobody speaks English, you know, and there's no stores, there's no food, and but the crowds there were livid. I mean, it was – We I remember leaving the show because we were healing that night, the big six, man, and they're around the bus, like, rocking it. And I'm thinking, I'm going to die in Mexico tonight. But uh, – <laughs> Thank the Lord I got out uh, alive. So, man, just memories like that, I think, is just getting a chance to interact with different fans from different countries. Like Italy, 
and um, uh, Mexico and, and Bolivia. So I've got a chance to really travel all over the world. Um, but I, I could go on all night about memories, but those are some fine ones I have. And I will say one big memory for me, we're talking about Hogan and, you know, growing up as a kid watching him. Now, obviously, 2010, 11, 12, I worked with him in TNA a little bit, interacted with him a little bit. And then WrestleMania 2021 there uh, in Tampa, Florida, where we had our first live crowd back, where myself and Elias came out for Shane McMahon's match. Um, I remember coming up to Hogan, and he hadn't seen me. Man, it's probably been, I don't know, seven or eight years. I come up and shook his hand. I said, Hulk, I don't know if you remember me, but – and then when I said Buddy, he goes, oh, brother, brother Gunner. He called me Gunner because he knew me from TNA. And he's like, man, it's so good to see you here. You deserve it. And I was just thinking – Dude, that's so cool, man. This guy grew up watching, and he remembers my name. <laughs> um, I'd like to give a shout-out to some um, chat. Uh, I have an indie wrestler, Johnny Cass. What do you think of people wanting yeah. to start wrestling in their early 30s? I started at 31. I'm 34 now. Do you have any any encouragement, encouraging words for the indie guys that are just starting out? Absolutely, Johnny. Man, think about DDP. He started his career super late. And it, he catapulted. I mean, he was in a, a time of WCW when it was on fire. But I, I never say age. I just say age is a number. How does your body feel? You know, how are you progressing in the business? I will tell you this. You know, take care of yourself. Learn what you can because you're 30, 34 now, you said. Just be a student. You know, never stop being a student. I tell guys that all the time. When I was in WWE, I never stopped being a student. So um, just learn all you can, man. Uh, work as many shows as you can. Take care of your body. I always tell guys that, but 34, dude, age is just a number. It's never, never too late. And another one from the fans before we get right under our questions. What are the biggest differences in breaking into the Indies now versus when you started your career? Oh, man. This is a, a deep question, really. So I had this conversation the other day. I think the difference is, um, well, first of all, when I broke into the Indies, I was having to mail VHS tapes out to promoters, so we don't really do that anymore. <laughs> we have YouTube, thank God. Um, but I think it's, um, I think, okay, so when I come in, and this is me, not, not me bashing it by any means, but when I came in, it was still kind of a protected umbrella of professional wrestling where you had to, you had to pay your dues. You, you had to prove yourself. You had to train. And there is some promotions and some indie shows where they're just letting a guy walk in and say, hey, I'm a wrestler. You know, I got a pair of jeans, shorts, and a pair of tennis shoes and a T-shirt. So for me, it's, I guess, changed a little bit to where it's a little easier to kind of get into the business. Um, so that, that's, yeah, I think that's my answer for that question. Then it was protected still in 2000. I mean, it's been almost 23 years. So 2000, 2001, I started. It was still a very much protected industry. Um, we'll go back to the whole nostalgia act again for me is, uh, out of the guys that, that were in the business, um, when you came through, who was the, who was your, like the guy that you loved working with and who was the guy that you didn't get a chance to work with, but wish you would have. Yeah, man. I, so, um, there's numerous guys I loved working with. I enjoyed uh, James Storm, him and I clicked really well. Uh, our feud really told a story, I think. We interacted and brought in my real-life father. Um, AJ was one of those guys I always – when I found out I was working him for the first time, I got, like, crazy nervous. But it was at a ball field. We did the baseball stuff with TNA uh, in Brooklyn. New, uh, not Brooklyn. Somewhere, anyway. Um, but anytime I got to work with AJ, you just knew – 
that it was going to be physical, which I always loved. And you knew that he was going to make you look good. You know, that was, that's just how he is. He's, he's easy to work with. He's never, um, never shown an ego. I worked with him in WWE. He's always been this humble, um, you know, godly man that I knew in TNA that just loved to give back to the business. Somebody I didn't get a chance to work with that um, I really wish I would have. Whew. In TNA or WWE or just in general? It, it, just in general. I think um, I think I can say because I worked with Joe a few times. Um, man, let me think here. <laughs> <laughs> that's a trick. That's a tricky question. I mean, because I've worked a lot of the guys there, but I know there's one because I worked with Orton, which was amazing. You know, getting a chance to work with Orton. Um, man, I, I would I would like to maybe. Man, I got to think about that one. He caught me off guard. I wish. <laughs> uh, so yeah, because I worked Sting, man. I worked, uh, you know, Ken. Um, golly, um, I'm trying to think, man. Give me a second on that one. Maybe I'll come back to that one. Give me a. Minute. All right. I'll, I'll brainstorm on that one. So while we're talking about TNA and stuff like that, um, of course we remember TNA with the six-sided ring, and then we had the four-sided ring as it evolved and stuff like that. Did you have a preference in working what ring you wanted to work in? Um, was one better than the other? Was one, oh, my God, on your body? What was? How was that? Yeah, yeah, and, and you'll hear many guys say this. I guarantee you that six-sided ring was, oh, my God, on my body. Like the ropes, because you got to think the way the angles were, the ropes were shorter, so they were tighter. And then the ring, to me, was a lot more, a lot more, unforgiving it didn't give as much i don't know if it's just the way that it was created or made so when they went back to the four-sided ring i was like first of all thank you because you know it's, it's traditional you know the squared right. circle is traditional um but I, I think a lot of guys were happy about that because there was really no um i mean the six-sided and the and the the four-sided ring was really about the same dimensions it wasn't like the six-sided was bigger or anything so um, four-sided for sure. Definitely a four-sided ring guy. Um, so who who came – who was the brainchild? We're, we're go to the NXT uh, run. Uh, who was the brainchild of the Forgotten Sons? Like who came up with that? Like what was the creative process behind that? All right. By so the way, that's one of my favorite – that's one of my favorite yeah. uh, factions ever. You guys were just three badass dudes who just beat people up. I mean, my my kid still talks. My kid's ten years old. And he still talks about it. He's like, "That's cool, man." Are- <laughs> so, uh, real quick, I'm gonna rewind. Kurt Angle. That's one I wish I could have got got a chance to work. I was in a six man with Kurt Angle one time. Literally, I got in a ring with him for five seconds because it was just the way the movie was going. Kurt Angle was one I wish I got to work. Machine. Um, so from us, the Forgotten Sons were a brainchild of four different men, from what I remember. Um, Cutler and Blake had started coming together about being a tag team. Um, they were, you know, working on different ideas, different things, pitching it to the office at NXT and, and the Performance Center. And Carino, Steve Carino came in, and I had just come in kind of about the same time Carino did, you know, under developmental in 2017. So moving into 2018, here we are. I'm kind of in limbo. I'm just wrestling as my real name. We finally get the Jackson Riker name. Blake and Cutler are doing tag matches, um, you know, building their credit and just an amazing tag team. I mean, these two guys are some of the best guys I've been in the <laughs> ring with and worked with. 
so Carino come up to to Steve and, and Blake and Carino just has a mind about what Vince likes and Vince always liked factions. And he's like, what do you guys think about, you know, you know, Chad jumping in with you guys, maybe trying a trio thing out. You got two Marines and then you got Blake is just an all American football player. Um, and so they were like, yeah, let's try it. So what we did was just put all three of us together, started running Florida loop shows that we would do down there. And just, uh, man, things started to click. We started to get matching uh, gear and matching jackets, um, uh, just kind of working as a unit, using me as the hitman, and, you know, doing six-man matches. And it just started to click. And I think Hunter, Hunter saw something there perhaps. And, you know, he liked factions. You can see the, the sanity. You can see Undisputed Air and so many others. So he just gave us an opportunity on TV, and one thing ran with another. And we, we really had – I always tell everybody, Hunter was really open to ideas that we had. Like, he came to us about music. and was like, what do you guys like? Well, we're all metalheads. We love, you know, heavy metal. He goes, all right, well, we can come up with something. So just very open for our gear concept, what he wanted from me as a hitman. And um, just a very fun time for us that um, I wish would have lasted a little longer, but unfortunately it didn't. But, yeah, I definitely uh, I cherish those moments. So in my research, I've seen that you were um, close friends. I don't know if you still are with Cash Wheeler of AW, um, William Regal, Edge. You still hang out with those boys? Do you still communicate on them at all with any, anybody like that? Or is that just in the past? Yeah, you know, Cash and I, um, we we started, well, not started together, but met each other in 04. And when I got out in 2006, we really we traveled a lot together. Uh, we don't keep in touch too much anymore, but we uh, every once in a while we do. We see each other. He lives down in Florida. Edge, I'll, I'll contact and say hello to every once in a while. He was really, him and William Regal were really uh, helpful with me getting my opportunity in WWE. But as far as keeping in touch with him, hanging out, I'm back in North Carolina now. Edge is in – he's in Asheville. But the other two are, you know, down in Florida. And so, no, don't really see him too much. Um, so, you talked about uh, Steve Macklin. I mean, this isn't necessarily a question, but uh, I just noticed that he – because I kind of shifted gears and I don't watch as much as – uh, cause they're not on TV anymore. I can't find, I can't find impact on my TV and it frustrates me, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it, it looks like, uh, Steve's running the show over there. He looks like it's like he's the heavyweight champion right now, dude. And I'm glad, man, I'm glad for Steve, you know, when Steve and Blake left WWE, you know, slightly before I did, um, he got his foot in the door with TNA he was able to latch on to the Steve Macklin character that I think he really wanted to do in WWE, even with the Forgotten Sons. He just gets to be himself. You know, there's no restrictions, I think, with – I'm not going to say no restrictions with TNA, but there's probably a lot more creative control. You know, WWE, it's, it is what it is. It's a conglomerate corporate wrestling company where they say yes or no. There's no gray area. It's either yes, you're going to do this, or you know you're not going to do this. You're going to do what we tell you to do kind of thing, unless you're a certain name. But Steve has really came into his own. I've watched a few of his uh, matches and just kind of keep up with him. And I'm super happy for him, man. He deserves nothing. He loves the business. You know, he, we're on a different level of life, you know, where, where I'm coming to the end of my career. Um, I just – I'm ready. You know, I'm ready to hang up the boots. But Steve is – I mean, he's still young and fresh, and, and his body's still feeling good, and he's just running wild, man. And it's so cool to see. 
it, it blows me away. You are literally a year younger than me and you are, you're, 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 uh, retiring from your business. That just blows me away. Well, I am, man. And, and I, I'll touch on that a little bit. It's just, I always said that uh, I got to the point where I really didn't enjoy it as much as I did as a 19 year old boy that was in love with it. Um, I have a six year old daughter and my body is, feels good. I take care of it. But I've had some nagging neck injuries from, you know, 2015. And I always said, man, I'm not going to jeopardize uh, opportunity to play with my child. <clears throat> you know, I have an opportunity for a new career and I'm still 40, 41 in, in a month. I'm young enough to just pursue something else. And I go, dude, in 23 years, look at what we're talking about right here. Just how cool of opportunities I've had. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, we see a lot of gimmick matches and, you know, all that stuff. So what is your experience with the gimmick matches? Uh, Battle Royals, Feast of Fire. <laughs> what, what, are we a fan of those? What What is your experience with those? Yeah, I, I enjoy – now, I enjoyed them younger in my career. So coming through, like, NWA Anarchy, which used to be NWA Wildside, I did numerous, like, ladder matches and cage matches and stuff like that. Um, you know, I never did tacks or barbed wire or bulbs. That was, that was never my – deathmatch wrestling was never my uh, my expertise or anything I really enjoyed, to be honest with you. But, um, I, you know, they're a little more chimed down now, obviously, like with WWE and, you know, the PG stuff. But – I, I enjoy them. I, if it's a good story. So listen, Scott, I'm still a fan of old wrestling where a story would go on for months or be built for months. And then there's a big blow off. Now, if it's just turning on my TV on a Monday night and here's some random hardcore match and I'm like, what are we doing? You know, but um, I enjoyed them. I had many, you know, I didn't really, I didn't do any in WWE other than the ladder match there at the takeover we did where I come out and interfered. Right. So my take is, is, is if it's not a throwaway, if there's a story behind it and there's some emotions that the people can latch on to, um, you know, I think WWE is doing a lot better about that. They were, you know, building some different, um, you know, brawls and street fights and stuff like that that, that has a story behind it now. And it's just some random, you know, back when WWF did the 24 hour hardcore title, I was like, oh man, we just got another random hardcore match. But, so, no, yeah, man, I enjoy those. It takes a rare, rare breed of body to take, go through that mess. Yeah. So, uh, so you, you talk about storylines, um, just, just the fan in me. I, you say you watch, you, you're still watching the uh, thing. How long in your opinion should this bloodline storyline continue? And, and I mean, in, I in your know. opinion, it, it's just a, a fan talking to another fan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't watch it as much as I did. It's something I'll catch here and there. Uh, I'm really not keeping an eye on how the crowd's reacting to it. So that's kind of what I base it off of. Obviously, you know, you're going to – I mean, there was people when the NWO was going on, and, yes, it got, like, watered down and diluted um, that were like, oh, it should have ended, you know, years ago. But, you know, I don't know, man. If they're still able to take this, um, you know, group and tick people off and draw more money in and people are still coming into it, because the fact is that's what they're going to do. I mean, we, we, we the fans want – uh, want to see certain things and, and eventually they'll do a big blow off with these guys that get beat up or something. So, you know, I, I don't know if I can answer that question. I think if it's still working, let it roll. So we got heel Kevin. Uh, he's a TikTok creator on Twitch. Also, Chad, I've been a fan of yours for a long time. I remember mm. sitting front row at Wrestlecade in 2015 for your cage match in the main event. Also from, from one service man to another. 
thank you for your service. So thank you, Hill Kevin, man. Yeah, Hill Kevin, thank you. And that was against uh, Luke Hawks in 2015. That was, man, that was a lot of fun. We, funny story about that. We actually just kind of, um, believe it or not, Luke and I just kind of made that match happen on our own. We did a, a show a couple months before where him and I had a match and we were just like, hey, you know what would be cool at WrestleCade that they've never had a cage match? I was like, dude, let's just get on the microphone and I'll challenge you to a cage match. And that's what happened. And they had to build a cage match because people were talking about it. So they were like, you guys booked your own angle on it. Yes, we did. <laughs> so in uh, in today's uh, universe, across all platforms, across all promotions, who's the one guy that you'd want to maybe not necessarily be your last match, but be one of the guys that you wrestled in one of your last couple matches. Oh, man. <clears throat> um, I would say, you know, honestly, um, Cash Wheeler, because we, you know, and it probably won't happen. He travels. I think they got a lot of stuff overseas and a lot of house shows coming up, but um, he's just one of those guys, man. We traveled together starting in 06, 07, 08. Just a lot of road miles together, a lot of stories, um, you know, uh, a lot of just a, a good friendship. And we we had many, many indie matches where we would go out there for 30 or 45 minutes and just go on the fly, not talk about anything, just have fun. I would definitely say cash. So, so I got a question for you, um, two-part mm -hmm. question. Um, do you have any regrets about your wrestling career? And also, was, do you feel that there was any missed opportunities in TNA or WWE and, uh, that you uh, there was some missed opportunities on your side you, that you could have, which you would have cashed in on? Yeah, no, uh, no regrets, not one. I, I can definitely sit here and say that. Some guys can't, but I have no regrets, dude. I've got a just, man, I've had a fun career, blessed career. Um, things that I think that could have been capitalized more on in TNA for sure was just, you know, there was a regime that came in right after 2014 main event in Manchester. We kind of flowed through 2014 nice and easy. James Storm and I coming into 2015, there was a new regime that came in. It just kind of put a halt on a lot of the new talent getting rocked, you know, myself, Sam Shaw, some other guys. And I'm not bitter about it, but I think there was a dropped ball there where it's like we could have kept put, because this Gunner character, I, from what I experienced, it, after Manchester and through this James Storm feud, really, man, they really built me up to where I was. People were, they were, new, they knew who I was. You know, it was no longer, okay, here's a new guy. Who is this guy? Prove yourself. Um, and they just, man, they dropped the ball on that. That's my personal opinion. Um, with WWE, I think, um, I think they dropped the ball with Forgotten Sons. You know, we can all go back to the tweet that I tweeted in 2020, whatever. Um, but, the I think they dropped the ball with the Forgotten Sons. We had something good there, and you know, instead of like giving us a little break to let the heat cool down from the tweet, they did that, but then they brought us back. Which hey, I loved all the stuff I did with Elias, good friend of mine, had a blast. But man, it was just a drop ball there. I think that was a, a group that we could have really caught some eyes and, and had something good going. Uh, Heel Kevin actually has another question. Uh, if you can go back to the beginning of your career and give yourself one piece of advice that uh, have really helped you, what would it be? Well, Kevin, I think um, – so once again, I've had a blessed career. I can't say uh, work harder or do anything different on that aspect. But what I can say is 
first times in 06 through 09, man, I was working like crazy, but taking stupid, unnecessary bumps. Whether it was on, hey, tonight we're going to have a brawl and I'm going to be that guy that takes a bump on a concrete floor or off of a ladder to the wooden table or something. And I think it would be, Chad, take care of yourself. Because in the long run, that caused some neck injuries and some back injuries that uh, you know I still carry on today. I take care of my body. I'm not crippled, thank God. But I would definitely say, hey, man, save those bumps for a better day. So you and I have talked on Instagram and email, et cetera. Um, my next question, well, my next topic I want to talk to you about is, do you have any encouraging words for fans, for people out there trying to get started? Um, I know that um, where your where your life's going now, God has been a big influence in your um, life. I don't know how long ago that, you, that happened. Um, your faith is probably paying a uh, big part of your life going forward. How was that? Can you encourage some people, us, I mean, even myself, as what we're going through what we're doing? Yeah, man. So 17 years old, I was saved. So my faith has been something that I've always carried. Uh, have I have I advertised it as much as I do within my life now? No. Um, but that's something that was always, you know, a, a cornerstone in my life. I, I mean, I think advice, I had once again a conversation with Casey the other day on this. And I like to talk to you a lot. Of, it's, it's funny, Scott, because now I go to shows and I'm 40 once again. And I've had numerous guys, kids come up to me like 18, 20 and shake my hand and say, you know, you're the reason, like, I wanted to get into wrestling. I saw you when I was, whatever, seven. I'm like, oh, my God, am I that old now? <laughs> you know, so, I, but it's so cool, man. It's so cool because that was a, a goal of mine. So I give these guys advice. Of, they say, well, can you give us some advice? Yes, I can. And it, it is learn the craft, okay? Do, I think get out, get your name out as much as you can. That was a goal of mine when I got out of the Marine Corps in 06 was how many different towns – how many different people can see me because that's just going to help me in the long run. Don't get an ego. There's no point in getting an ego. I always tell guys, try and stay humble. You know, don't, don't ever think you're better than you really are because you never stop learning in professional wrestling business. I heard that from Shawn Michaels out of all people, um, you know, just, just never stop learning. And it's just, um, you know, don't forget etiquette. Don't forget those who came before you. You know, if they're a jerk, that's a different story. Man, go up and shake hands, introduce yourself. Uh, if you're going to a show as a guest with someone, introduce yourself to the promoter, let him know who you are. Try and get booked. And it's just stay humble, work hard. Don't forget that there's a crowd out there. Don't get so focused on ABC in the ring that you forget there's people that bought tickets that want to see emotion from you. So interact with them. It's a live movie. We got to interact with these people because if not, they're just going to sit there twiddling their thumbs and they're not going to care one bit about what you're doing. Uh, who, who in the business, when you came through, gave you the best advice? Like, who, like, and what, and what was it that they told you specific? I mean, I, I got many guys. So uh, some folks may know may know the name Bill Barons. Helped me a lot in TNA. Uh, helped me a lot in NWA. Um, helped get me extra spots with WWE. Um, and I've said this a thousand times. Terry Taylor, uh, one of those guys that spotted me in 09 
really helped get my foot in the door with TNA as security just to get me a job. And even, even going through crises in life, like Terry's one of those I could reach out to. Even coming into WWE, even now, he, he reached out to me not too long ago and just checked on me because he knew I was going through some trials and things in my life. Um, but, you know, I was also blessed, man, to when I traveled in TNA, when I started hitting the road with house shows in 2012-13, we would rent a minivan. And in this minivan would be myself, Ken Anderson, AJ Styles, Frankie Kazarian, Chris Daniels, and Samoa Joe. There's six, there's five other men there that I'm picking their brains, you know, because, dude, they, these guys had done it all. I mean, I respected each and every one of them's caliber of wrestling, their attitude for the business, their mind for the business, you know, and unfortunately, you know, I didn't get a chance to travel with like Hogan or any of these guys, but I got a chance to travel with those five men. And, you know, Sam Shaw would be in there with us sometime, but a, a, a minivan full of big pro wrestlers is just a funny sight. But just getting a chance to listen to their stories, ask them what works and what, you know, how to be successful. And to me, that was, I mean, and that was a good, man, six or eight months of just traveling the road for the most part with these guys. And it was, it was so cool. It was very, very cool. Well, we're about 10 minutes from, uh, away from, so we want to honor your time again. Um, so it's been revealed that August of this year, you are going to have four matches. They're your final matches, um, which is going to take the last match being on August 27th. Do you guys, do you have opponents in mind or is it already set up? And what does that look like? And then end with, um, can you tell your, your podcast name again, please? Yeah. So the pod, podcast is Wrestling for the Faith. It's myself and Casey Cage, and, and it's a Christian-based podcast, but we do talk a lot about my wrestling career and his wrestling career. Um, so those four, th- that's that's the plan for now, is those four shows, not meaning that I'm going to do another one. No, August 27th is, is solidified in stone. That'll be it. There are uh, matches planned. I know the June 3rd in Georgia is going to be just kind of a, a big eight-man tag match. It's a benefit show for Drake Wirtz and um, raising money for his back surgery and stuff. And then um, one of those matches will be against Lodi, a good buddy of mine here in the Carolinas. I love him. Good Christian brother of mine. And uh, June June 17th, matter of fact, we just found out that uh, Gunner and Murphy, he doesn't wrestle as Murphy anymore, but it is Michael Judas, are going to team up. So it's going to be a nice nostalgia TNA reunion there here in uh, Mooresville, North Carolina, where I live. So August 27th, my last show, <clears throat> Um, there's two two choices here. I've asked to wrestle my podcast uh, brother Casey Cage, and and just it's one of those things that I want that match. We've never worked with each other, uh, just to have that to go out on. And uh, but I've been pitched the idea also of uh, Danny Birch, who's a good friend of mine. So we'll see. It could end up going both ways. It could end up possibly being a tag match. Um, we should know within the next few weeks. So I'll be advertising it. Um, but really, my goal for my last match, Scott and Matt, just to have fun, man. Just to have that, fun. I can't will wait. Will that be broadcast on any social media after the after the fact? I, I, after the fact, I believe so. They'll do some kind of because it's AML promotion in the Carolinas. They always do a, I think maybe a YouTube deal, but I'll definitely have it recorded. It's one of those I'll, I'll put out on my own YouTube page and stuff. Matt, I basically I I just want to say thank you for. Uh, I mean, not only your service, but for being a 
a tremendous talent to I got a chance to watch you uh, do what you love to do every week. And I just want to say thank you for putting your your body through what you what you did. Um, and, you know, um, I mean, when I first when I first saw you wrestle, I turned the TV on and it was when you came. I want to say it's when you first came back and you just looked absolutely shredded. And I was like, God damn. Like, that, that, that is wow. That that dude is jacked. And I was like, and then you just proceeded to beat up like everybody. I'm like, all right, I'm here for this. Let's see what this guy's all about. And yeah. like just as the weeks progressed, I'm like, all right, this guy's so thank you for being an amazing dude and just a tremendous talent. Well, thank you for being a fan, man. It's always cool to talk to, you know, guys and girls who watched me. Uh, I've always taken pride in my body. It's one of those things. I had a bad injury in 2015, or neck injury that shut me down. And uh, but I, I feel like in my at 40, 41 almost, I feel better uh, physically. And I look better than I did like in my early 30s. But um, no, man, it's cool. I appreciate that. Yo, Kevin, Chad, you talk about maintaining your body with the new generation of wrestlers breaking into the business, younger and younger. What can they do to stay healthy? And should they be taking bumps before their bodies have had the time to develop? Um, Kevin, I think staying healthy, I mean, there's different aspects. You know, you I get into bodybuilding. I'm into that bodybuilding look. Some guys aren't. Some guys just want to be more shredded and stuff. And I think it's just – Looking apart now, every wrestler doesn't need to be shredded. I mean, I still go back to the '80s where Dusty Rhodes and these guys who were just incredible. Nobody looked at their body, went, "Oh, that's just some big heavy set guy. I don't want to watch him." No, man, they, they were captivated by this guy. But 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 you know, Dusty could go out there and work hour long matches and never die. So really, being healthy, I think, is just taking care of your temple, taking care of your body in the professional wrestling business, being careful with the bumps you take at an early age. And I think developing your body, you know, preparing for bumps. You know, if you've got a 15-year-old, 14-year-old getting in the ring taking bumps, I go, dude, maybe you should wait a few more years and let, you know, because if not, by the time you're 25, you're not going to be able to walk. So I just tell guys to take care of themselves. We live in an era now where wrestling is a whole different world where it's like, I mean, the, the athleticism is outrageous and the bumps are getting crazier and crazier. And my biggest fear is – there's not going to be many guys that can last till they're 40 or 41 or into their 50s like Edge, you know, because, yes, Edge has done some crazy stuff, but it's been in, you know, levels. It's not been a whole just platform of, man, I'm going to take a bump off the top rope tonight. So I really just say take care of yourself in that way. Um, I'm going to let, I'm gonna give the floor to you uh, to end it. Um, but I just have on a health-wise, what kind of encouragement, encouraging things can you say for people like us I struggle with my weight. I've tried everything. Is there one thing that you said to yourself that, yep, I'm going to do it? Was there a time in your life that you said, I am done looking like this? This is what I'm going to do. Yeah, no, and, and I did. I think in um, I had got out of the Marine Corps. I was like 270, but I was like a power lifter 270. So there was no abs, man. I was just eating everything, and <laughs> there was no pushing back from the table kind of thing. And I decided I had to change some things. So really for me, it's been a um, – a life of just, you know, constantly trying to eat healthier, watching what I put in my body, 
but exercise has always been a part of my life. It's just how I burn off steam, man. So Scott, you know, for anybody out there that's like battling weight issues or food issues, it's just taking it day by day. It's recreating new habits and it's saying, okay, well, I got a, a, for instance, I got a good friend that's got, you know, diabetes and he's not that old. He was in the Marine Corps with me and he's got two kids. And I go, dude, you have to ask yourself, okay, you know, when you're 60, uh, if you live to be 60 because of your diabetes, like there's things you can do now to change, you know what I mean? Uh, and that's not being mean or just hateful about it. It's just saying, okay, think about your family. And, and yes, I mean, you don't have to eat like me, but I think it's just making smarter choices. I got a few friends that's come to me and it's making smarter choices. Take, get out, take a walk, man. Uh, you don't have to go to the gym and run 10 miles, bro. Take a walk outside, enjoy it and just make smarter choices. Thank you, sir. Um, the floor is yours. Where can fans find you on social media? Where can they get your merch? Um, dude, I'm going to ask it, man, because you have a you're going to preach tomorrow. Where can they? Can somebody hear? Where can we hear your your message? Um, all that good stuff. Can you close with that? Yes, sir. Well, first of all, thanks for uh, you know the time and all that stuff. You guys got a few more questions. I don't mind answering on media, man. But we so tomorrow's uh, preaching is at Liberty. Baptist Church in China Grove, and I'll, and I'll tweet that out and post that out, but it's Liberty Baptist Church in China Grove, North Carolina. Um, it will be, I'm going to try and record it to be on my YouTube page. This is a really small Baptist church with no Facebook or anything. Very, you know, just a beautiful little church, a friend of mine's dad. But a lot of my stuff you can get, I have a YouTube channel, Chad Lail, L-A-I-L. Every morning I post, uh, most every morning I post uh, a two, three minute daily devotional that i just do on my own um and then instagram is uh at cw lail underscore gunner and that is my twitter handle also so at cw lail underscore gunner and then my facebook page is it's maxed out so you can get on there um it'd be chad lail parentheses gunner there's a few fakes but if you send me a request, I'll try and get into it, but I'm maxed out right now. But I, I try and interact with folks. I get a lot of questions. Uh, Twitter's kind of chimed down a little bit. It's not so much of, hey, we hate you now. You know, so we, we want to talk. Um, but, yeah, please check out my YouTube channel for sure. I mean, it's, it's all just – it's all biblical stuff. There's really not much wrestling on there. Well, I enjoy your Instagram. I have um, I do read your uh, – your three-minute videos. I, that's an awesome thing. I love that. Yes, I'm going to close with a song uh, that you'll enjoy, I believe. I would hope it was written yeah. for you, I think. <laughs> but stay in. I'm going to end the podcast and stay in the lobby. Um, Huge Pop Wrestling Podcast. Thank you, Matt, for uh, being part of this. Everybody in the chat, Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, hit the subscribe button, hit the follow button. Follow Chad Gunner, Chad Lyle, Gunner, a.k.a. Jackson Riker. Um mm-hmm. Thank you, sir, for joining us. Uh, thank you, fans, for joining us. Um, much love to you. And hang out. Don't go anywhere, Mr. Lyle. Uh, I'll see you in the waiting room. Yes, sir.